Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Marty Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. Time now for Why It Matters. Yes, indeed. And, you know, with COP26 going on, a lot of focus on the environment and climate change. A new Deloitte study has actually found that Southeast Asia could lose $28 trillion in services, tourism and manufacturing if it fails to act fast on climate change. And in the meantime, the plastic pollution crisis is worsening, accelerating this entire crisis. Yeah, if we take a look at Indonesia, 36% of plastic waste is openly burned, significantly contributing to GHG emissions and air pollution. Now, while the agenda of further climate change is still being addressed at the annual COP26, what can countries in Southeast Asia do when it comes to addressing the climate and plastic pollution crisis here? And with the rise of impact investing in the last few years, to what extent will all of this be enough to help combat the problem. We're joined now by Ragula Sheg, Managing Director Asia at Circulate Capital. Good morning, Ragula. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, as we speak, COP26, the Climate Change Conference, is ongoing. It's into its second and final week in Glasgow. Give us your perspective on the various things that have been discussed so far, the pledges, so on and so forth, and what do you think is needed to achieve some of these commitments? Let's see what the outcome will be, right? When so we are actually meeting the targets to reach the or the 1.5 degree. I think what is now really important and what really is seen is that we need to start actually connecting actions to to the pledges, and particularly really have clear plans of how we're going to achieve those those targets, right? And that really means for all of us as individuals, as corporate citizens, as as, as government entities, to really clearly understand how how we contribute to those targets. From our end, I think we see a tremendous opportunity in tackling the plastic waste. As you rightly mentioned, uh, Asia Asia is a big contributor to greenhouse gas emission due to the leakage of plastic into the ocean. And there is significant capital needed, actually, to, to build the necessary infrastructure in Asia to do so. So it really boils down to exactly that, understanding our, our action, understanding the actions and then actually execute. Regula, have we transited from trend to realization yet? And what I mean by that is, you know, where investors are concerned, are they investing now because they are genuinely interested in in the cause? They genuinely want to contribute to the cause? Or is it still a bit 50-50, people still getting on board because it's trendy? That's a good question. I guess I can't really answer that because there are investors who are seriously committed to that and others just are still waiting and see and at the sidelines to see whether there is an opportunity to not only have a, a financial return but actually also have environmental and social impact. But when we look at the developments over the last years, right, there has been significant movement in shifting capital from you know the conventional investing into impact investing or ESG driven investing, really focusing not only at the financial bottom line but environmental and social return. I mean, just to give you a couple of examples, I mean, BlackRock Circle Economy Fund grew by one billion in its first year. 
And there has been about a 10x increase on the number of private market funds with circular economy focus in the last four years. What we see, though, is that what is key, I think, and particularly also key in, in the industry we're in, meaning prevention of plastic leaking into the ocean and bringing it back to the circular economy, and with that really use the value of plastic, is that we need to have initially a blended finance mechanism. You know, governments have pledged, particularly the high-income countries, to provide, actually as part of COP15, to provide $100 billion a year to low-income countries to build infrastructure. And we have fallen short. But that capital alone is not sufficient. So we need to attract more and more private capital. And as I mentioned, with BlackRock and with others, we see that capital coming in. What we're missing right now, particularly also in, in Asia, in, in the area of investing in plastic in circular economy is the lack of pipeline and the lack of evidence-based track record. What does that mean? Right, we are a private equity fund which now really trailblazed to, to showcase that this is an investable space. And then by showing you there are pipeline opportunities out there, there are plenty of companies out there which have been around and have not had access to capital and ha- need that capital that, that we can invest in them. And then we can showcase, you know, evidence-based track record. What I mentioned with that is showcase that you can make money. And with those indicators and those information we can provide through our funds, we will attract more capital. And institutional investors then can come in. So long answer, short, meaning that we will see more and more products for investors to actually put their money in to actually have an impact while making money. The thing is, in spite of the fact that you talked about pipeline and showing track record, investors are increasingly calling for high quality, transparent, reliable and comparable reporting by companies on climate and other ESG matters. Recently, I understand a new standard setting board, the International Sustainability Standards Board, was set up to do this. And this was actually announced at the ongoing COP26. What should this board take into account as it formulates its standards so that your investors can truly be better informed here? I think what is really important in general in defining standards is that we have a good understanding of the baseline. In relation to the plastics industry, particularly, you know, there's hardly any data available. So how do we track impact if we don't have a good baseline? So first of all, I think we have to have a common understanding of where are we starting, from where we started and actually assess impact and define the necessary metrics which show progress, right? And there is a big variety of different standards and you know, which which could make the investor confused, right? And so we need to have a standardized understanding of how we what's the baseline, how we track it, what do we consider impact. We also need to really be clear that we track those and we have those audited so that the investor is really confident that the money they put into investments are really put at its best. We need to understand externalities. Are they negative or positive, right? And so in our case, we really need to understand what it does, our money we put in to not only the environment, but also to the people. Now, i give you a very in, an example. 60% of the plastic recycled globally is collected by the informal sector and actually almost 90 or more percent in Southeast Asia. The informal sector, these are the women and the men who daily pick the material for their livelihood. So 
they are a key component of that. And we need to understand when we do intervention through investment, does it actually improve their lives as well? Because they have a right for decent decent money, decent wages. So all of these aspects have to be well understood for us as an investor. And then I think also for the investment investor himself, right, who puts his money at stake. Regula, I, I love the point you brought up at the end of that last answer, talking about, you know, the kind of people and the demographics that are picking up plastic. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's uh, taking a test and she was asked, where does she see Singapore in the next 10 years? She talked about Singapore being a leader in sustainability. I'd like to ask you that question. I mean, it does represent an opportunity where, you know, this plastic investing is concerned. Where do you see Singapore in the next 10 years when it comes to sustainability? Yeah, Singapore has definitely a tremendous opportunity to become, you know, a hub and a platform within Southeast Asia and a leading force in pushing circular economy concepts, finance into the market and help build the infrastructure in these markets. Because ultimately, when when plastic leaks into the ocean in Indonesia, right, which is one of the top five globally, then it impacts Singapore as well. So we have to start really think globally. So I think with the Singapore plan also to go net zero, right, there is really opportunity. Innovation, for example, also is absolutely important in the long run how we tackle that issue. Climate change as well as plastic pollution. Because we can now actually fix the problem by just sheerly build solid waste management infrastructure in Asia. But we also have to start thinking about disruptive innovation, which changes the way we consume, the way we distribute our products, right? The way we package our products. And so Singapore as a financial hub and a innovation hub can really become the the key driver and force in Southeast Asia. If we talk about the Asian region or even the Southeast Asian region, I think we have to come to terms with the fact that, you know, the economies are at various stages of development, right? It's quite disparate in terms of economic development. And this issue has been brought up at COP26 as well, the disparity between the nations and the developing nations calling for more help from the developed ones. Some analysts have brought up the fact that in some of these developing countries, there's actually a vested interest in keeping some of the fossil fuel governed industries going because there are so many private players there are already making a lot of money. So considering that and the disparities, how do you think Asia as a region can move forward? Well, generally, I, I truly believe and, and research has shown that if Asia as a powerhouse doesn't jump on the uh, circular economy back, you know, basically striving this forward, that there is tremendous blocks. You know, and I think Asia can gain about that's the this or Deloitte says, 12.5 trillion in economic value by actually deploying such circular solutions. But it can also conversely lose, right, about 28 trillion in economic potential for the next 50 years. So I think, yes, there are obviously you know, still traditional industries out there and, and, and we need to start thinking about how we transition them to a more green and circular environment. But I think the the point is well taken that ultimately, and that was one of the key pledges from the, the, the wealthier nations, right, to contribute about $100 billion annually to the, the, the South to actually help them transition to a more renewable energy. And, 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 and that funding is needed. You know, you can't just 
the wealthy nations cannot just ask for the reduction of greenhouse gas emission. We need to help each other. And so that there needs to be money flowing from the high or the rich nations, actually, to, to those who need it and, and to help them transition faster. And I truly believe if we all see the economic benefits, you know, and, and we can we can show that through through research done, then the governments, the people, the communities will see and will act upon. On the back of what you just talked about, what kind of opportunity is there where, you know, R&D is concerned because we're talking about tools, innovative tools, and maybe the future, you know, the next five to ten years? Yeah, I mean, again, going back to what we're focusing on, the circular economy in general and then plastics, I mean, in the area of product design, right, Corporations, multinationals today really move fast in, in thinking about redesigning products which then use less plastics or no plastics, reuse business models which allow us to basically use our product several times. I mean, if today, right, we go into the shop and buy a shampoo bottle and we throw it away. But there are definitely ways of, of rethinking the reuse business model. I think there's, there's more and more innovation in respect to biomaterials, you know, material which can replace plastics as packaging material. But we also have to be realistic. And again, it's this circular economy is complex and it, is, it needs its system, right? It needs a systemic solution and we have several gaps to, to fill. One gap is to switch off the faucet, meaning we need to build the infrastructure right now to actually prevent further burning, leaking. And then another part is innovation. But innovation right now is still a small part of the overall scheme when we look at the sheer volume of plastic produced. We're talking here 400 million tons a year of plastic produced. 40% of it is single use, which is used once and it's gone. It's maybe used for 15 minutes only. Hmm. Certainly, that's something that investors ought to be paying attention to yeah, as they make their decisions. The thing is, a lot of investors say that they're never sure about whether or not their investments are actually having the intended impact on the ground. Some, of course, bring up the issue of greenwashing. What are you doing to help reassure your investors and to ensure that they make the right decisions when it comes to investing in the right projects? Mm-hmm. So we have a very hands-on approach. We're obviously working with, with companies on the ground, SMEs, family businesses. And not only do we provide capital, but significant amount of technical assistance. We are heavily involved in helping them steer the business in operations, in finance, in, in human resource, build capacity. We connect them to our partners and our network of investors, who are the ones, by the way, who do not only put money at stake, but also take the offtake, the material, the plastic recycled. But I think what is really important is to, again, going back to the, the baseline of what are the metrics and how do we measure impact. How much tonnage of material is diverted right from the ocean and recycled? We look at their operation, wastewater treatment. We look at fair wages, human rights issues, and we are heavily involved with them in building the baseline, defining the targets, measuring the targets, reviewing. We have actually built this in a platform to really make sure that we step up to our own promises. Because I totally agree with you, right? The investor itself needs to feel comfortable that his money is put 
into the right place. But I tell you, this really needs hands-on, hands-on support on the ground to help them really reach those targets. All right. Thank you very much for that, Regula. Regula Sheikh, Managing Director Asia at Circulate Capital. Thanks for filling us in so comprehensively. And do take care, yeah? Yeah, you too. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.